0: You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome to the home front. This is Jane. You're talking with Jane at the home front tonight, and we have a wonderful guest joining us, Dr. William Doherty. And among his many wonderful credentials and accomplishments at the University of Minnesota, he's the director of the Marriage and Family Therapy Program. Dr. Doherty, I want to welcome you to the show.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be with you. I hear it's pretty hot out there, huh?
0: It is. We're getting into the really strong summer heat here. We've had a good ride, I think, through June. I always consider if we don't get into 110 degrees before June 1st, we're okay. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your observation and, and watching out for us over here. Okay. Uh, Dr. Doherty, I first became aware of your work when I saw an article called Staying Afloat, How to Resist the Urge to Jump Ship. And the ship we're talking about in this article is the ship of marriage. In our first two segments, we talked about ways to inspire and lead young people to understand the value of marriage, Uh, abstinence education programs that really work with the junior high and high school students primarily and build a dream for marriage, and then we get people that get into marriage, and this article showed one of the fallacies that many people are entering marriage with from the get-go, which is that marriage is just kind of temporary, I'm going to get married to this person, And the article referred to the starter marriage, which is the first of several marriages you can expect to have over a lifetime. I'd like you to just talk about this concept of marriage as something that is temporary or uh, sequential and uh, your experience with that idea and how you might respond to that.
1: Yeah, it it was an idea that... um was um it came out of the 1960s and it was sort of uh, elite culture margaret mead and others the famous anthropologists talked about that um but after the divorce revolution took off in the 70s and now we have the children of the divorce re- revolution um mm-hmm. 20s and 30s um they have experienced the fragility the impermanence of marriage and um, even though they may most aspire to a lifelong union, almost all humans do. Mm-hmm. They are worried. They're scared that it, it it can't happen for them, and so it makes them more tentative. They they've seen the marriages of their parents break up, and then they've seen the second marriages of their parents break up.
0: Right. And uh, what are the stress factors in that first marriage that you consider the the hot-button stress factors people need to look at, maybe anticipate, and find some strategies early on to recognize them when they occur in the marriage and uh, maybe get some help in dealing with them?
1: Well, a big part of it is that we expect so much of marriage now. Uh, a lot of people expect that their their spouse will be their soulmate, will understand them completely, that they'll have little or no conflict, and that they'll be all to each other. Uh, right. And that's not uh, reasonable and realistic. Uh, and then when they hit bumps, they begin to think maybe maybe I chose the wrong person. Mm-hmm. So so we have these very high expectations. And then secondly. There is a mindset that I've written about called the consumer marriage, the consumer mindset, and that is that uh, a marriage is a lifestyle uh, designed to make me happy, and my spouse, then, that's that's their purpose in life, you know, is to make me happy. Right. Um, and so when you combine unrealistically high expectations with a consumer mindset about what am I getting out of this, you have the ingredients. Um, of of a lot of instability.
0: Right. Now, it's interesting your use of the uh, term consumer expectations or mentality and we've talked about that on other shows dealing with the whole sexual ethics revolution that started in the 60s that even children are consumer objects for us to welcome into our lives or dispense with and uh, now in the genetic engineering realm and with the treatments that are trying to address fertility, we're making babies as consumers saying, I I want a baby with these genetic characteristics and of this sex and uh, we'll go to the laboratory and, and have the implant and uh, build our family that way. It's interesting that that term, consumer mentality, addresses marriage from the very beginning. The early ideas of the sexual revolution is that we were going to, as men and women, start using each other uh, as people to make us happy. Uh, you've addressed that. Do you want to add anything onto that or some insights or maybe correct something that I've brought up?
1: No, no, I think I think you're right. It, it's a pervasive um um, a mindset. Uh, I remember I'm a marriage and family therapist, and remember a woman saying, a married woman saying, uh, w- when her marriage was was in difficulty, she said, "This is not the deal I thought I was signing up for." Mm-hmm. Um, and so that uh, mindset, and this research that shows that that mindset itself leads to more problems in marriage and and more divorce. That that the, the time to ask yourself is this the right person for me, is when you're choosing a mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you've chosen a mate, and now that's the time to not wake up every day and say, um, do I still want to be with this person? This is the time to say we're going to work this out.
0: Right. Now, you've talked about two things in that one sentence that I just uh, love to talk about in more length, so we'll probably just have time to address one of them, and then I in the second segment we can follow up the other with your book. We seem reticent to address marriage as an intentional choosing a person and part of that is that sexual ethics uh, from the 60s which says sex is divorced from marriage, sex is for my pleasure, uh, children are something I'm not going to think about right now. Then we kind of fall into marriage versus the Uh, strategic, I'm going to choose marriage, here are the reasons why, here's the kind of person that I think I would be compatible to meet those goals. Can you talk about this notion of choosing marriage? Does it kill the romance, you know, that looking across the room and seeing the perfect person?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, um, marriage um, um, uh, uh, kills the uh, infatuation Uh, (laughs) That's
0: a good way to put
1: it. uh, Which is only temporary. Uh, That that early phase when uh, you're just your heart races. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been married going on 43 years, and uh, my wife and I love each other deeply. But it's not like when I come home from work every day, your heart races like (laughs) you may have. I haven't asked if it did in the beginning. I'm afraid to ask. But anyway, um, and so sometimes people think when. When the glow, the initial glow wears off, that that means that they are not intended for each other. I heard a young man recently who in his own life had no stable marriages. He knew none. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his own, the marriage he's in, he was asking, how do we get back that original spark that, you know, when I couldn't wait to see her? And, and fortunately, an older married man said, that doesn't come back, but it's replaced with something deeper.
0: Right. And that deeper aspect of it, I think that people need to understand that the marriage wasn't just for their happiness, but it was also for the happiness of their spouse, that self-giving happiness. We just have maybe a minute for you to give a brief comment about that, and then on the other side of the break, we can turn it uh, back to the subject and how to preserve marriages.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll quote a great a great line from the movie, 1971 movie, Lovers and Other Strangers, where Italian immigrant couples, their, their adult son uh, is telling them he's going to get a divorce. And they say, Richie, what's the story? They're, they're thinking there's infidelity, there's violence. And he says, um, we're not happy. And the parents say, what? What are you talking about? The father says, do you think we walk around being, like, happy all the time? <laughs> and then the mother, who is the Arthur, <laughs> uh, looks at him and says, Don't look for happiness, Richie. It'll just make you miserable.
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, we are going to return on the other side of the break and continue this conversation with Dr. William Doherty. He's the Director of Marriage and Family Therapy at the University of Minnesota, and he wrote a wonderful book encouraging and giving practical tips to couples on how to preserve and maintain that marriage that they've started. This is Jane from the home front. Join us on the other side of the break. This is KFNX 1100 AM. Independent talk. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Homefront. You're talking with Jane and we have a wonderful guest tonight helping us understand marriage and how to make it last a lifetime. We're talking with Dr. William Doherty. He's the Director of Marriage and Family Therapy Program at the University of Minnesota. Welcome back, Dr. Doherty. Thank you. Uh, We were talking in the first segment about marriage, the high and in some cases unrealistic expectations that People set for themselves in marriage that they are getting married to be eternally happy and have that rush of joy every second of the uh, minute of the day that they are with each other and when they see each other having heart palpitations. And we are trying to come back to earth and see if we can ground that in a better view of marriage. Dr. Doherty, you wrote a book called Take Back Your Marriage. It's in its second edition. And the uh, subtitle is Sticking Together in a World that Pulls Us Apart. I think uh, lots of us know ways that the world impacts our marriages in negative ways and pulls us apart. I'd like to focus on the solution, the main title of your book, Taking Back Our Marriage, Making It Work. Can you give us a, uh, an idea of the maybe the top couple of forces that people typically can expect to encounter in their marriages and give them an idea of why there is still hope, that when you run into this barrier, like we were ending the last segment, that your marriage is still viable, it still can continue, you just need to grapple with this issue.
1: Yeah, the, the, the first one I'd say happens to nearly all marriages, and then you have to find out a way to resist it. And that's the, the gradual drift uh, of, uh, of a relationship uh, towards less bark and less, um, less connection over time because of the busyness of life, the jobs, when you have children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: pe- people's individual hobbies. So I, I live here uh, right outside St. Paul, Minnesota. And so the analogy I use here is that getting married is like uh, putting your canoe into the Mississippi River up here at St. Paul. And if you don't paddle, you go south. So what happens is people get married in the rush of all these good feelings. They put so much energy into the relationship. Their you know their family and friends are surrounded them to you know launch launch the boat. Right. And then um, then they they coast. Okay. They they think well we have plenty of you know plenty of gas in the in the engine. Uh, you know and right. we're gonna we're gonna be fine. And so there is a gradual erosion of that energy for the relationship that happens to nearly all couples. And then the thing is, when you realize it's happening, what do you do then? Do you just say, well, I guess this is how it's going to be. You know, I'll put my energy somewhere else. Um, Maybe there's something wrong with my marriage. Or do you do what a lot of my book, Take Back Your Marriage, is about, is create uh, uh, rituals, create opportunities for connection. So, for example... Most people fall in love through dating. They spend time alone together, doing things they enjoy, having conversations. Right? Nobody right. nobody gets married without successful dates. Right? Right. Right. So, what do we do after we get married? What a lot of people do is stop dating. When I lived in Oklahoma, I saw a couple uh, in therapy who had been married for twelve years, and they were a, a beautiful couple. They were very good looking, they were athletic looking, and I asked them how they met, and they met on a country-western dance floor, and I said, I bet you two were good, and they said, yeah, yeah, we were pretty good. In fact, they told me that other couples used to form a circle around them and, to, and watch them dance. Wow. And then I said, <laughs> innocently, well, when was the last time you danced? Well, when do you think? At the wedding reception 12 years ago.
0: 12 years, huh?
1: Okay, and that that's a metaphor for what happens yeah. in marriages, and so... It's a matter of putting back, you know, um, know, when, when the gasoline leaks, it always does, you know, you put back in.
0: Right. It's interesting because you are so correct that our lives are very busy, and we set priorities. And when we're dating, that dating is a priority. And just as you aptly described it, when we've accomplished the marriage... Then, mm-hmm. then it comes off the list and we don't put it back on. Just everything else slides to the top and we forget that that giving part of that relationship has to continue. What's a, the second uh, area that you think that couples need to expect is going to challenge them as their marriage continues over the years?
1: Yeah, a second one is really... Um, having um, uh, friends, sometimes family, uh, m- media, sometimes even a counselor, um, who, are, uh, who are forces that pull you apart. Um, one of the things that I've created recently with my daughter is something called marital first responders training. And okay. what we've, what we've done a study where we've, we've, we've found that the majority of Americans have confided in somebody about their, their marriage. Uh, and uh, and sometimes they don't get such very good input from people around them. So you you may be complaining to your your girlfriend, who uh, takes your side, okay. does, who thinks you're perfect, and who says things to you like you know you deserve a lot more than that. You deserve a, you deserve a husband who does his fifty fifty around the house, right? Right. And, this kind of this can erode, particularly if you have a consumer mindset. Anyway, it's like somebody telling you you didn't get a good deal on your car. Uh, so there are there are people around us who are not necessarily friends of our marriage. They may be friends of you personally, but not friends of your marriage. And so what to do with that is to have friends of your marriage, to relate to people as a couple. The more couples have couple friends, the more they relate to extended family and others as couples, it tends to be a kind of a bonding thing. If you only have single friends who don't know your spouse, um, it, it may be that some of those folks are going to kind of pull you apart when you're having problems.
0: Can you also, with respect, because I know you're in the profession of working as a professional with troubled marriages, can you address the notion that there are many counselors out there that don't see maintaining a marriage as a viable goal once it's one person comes to them that's very unhappy or distraught? How do people get a counselor that can recognize those disastrous reasons why you may need to marry in the marriage if there's physical abuse or those kinds of things or the couple just simply needs to get strategies and help and make it through and then redevelop that happy marriage that they want
1: yeah the the, the, the problem is that counselors have been trained to be neutral about whether the marriage works or not uh now if the couple goes in and they're you know they're they they, they say they want to stay married and and they just want to improve it. I mean, every counselor is going to help them do that. There's no counselors who say, let me, let me, let me. Break you uh, apart. Break <laughs> you apart. But the problem is exactly what you said. When somebody, a lot of times it's an individual counselor, by the way, sometimes it's a marriage counselor, but when the counselor is hearing a lot of pain and distress uh, from that person, uh, often for what I call the soft reason, not, the right, not, not, and not chronic infidelity and and uh, and violence, but, you know, they've fallen out of love, they don't communicate well, they argue too much, they, you know, they don't share life together, uh, that that a lot of times counselors, and by the way, it's not just secular counselors. Christian counselors often do the same thing, mm-hmm. that their care and compassion for that individual uh, leads them to to want to say, well, let me help you out of this painful situation. Kind of like if you come to me and you say you, your job is causing you tremendous stress and strain and you're not sleeping at night, You know, I might say, uh, gee, do you need to stay in that job? There are other jobs in the world. But you don't have a lifetime commitment to your job. And so they confuse that with marriage and and end up being really midwives for unnecessary divorces. Mm -hmm. So I coined the term about 10 years ago, marriage-friendly therapists or counselors. And that term is getting out there.
0: Good. People
1: could Google that term. And more counselors who subscribe to this philosophy that I do that that your first, your first goal should be to help people preserve their union, knowing that sometimes there are tragic exceptions when that's not possible. But you're not neutral about it.
0: Good. Well, I want listeners, I wish that we had the whole hour of the show, so we are going to end up our conversation very quickly here. I want listeners to be able to look at uh, more of your information and ideas and know that there are some wonderful reviews of your book, Take Back Your Marriage, sticking together in a world that pulls us apart, people who have read it and just feel very empowered, just like you're empowering us here on the air. My links to that book will be on my website, from fromthehomefront.org. And Dr. Doherty has his own website and a bio. Of Dr. Doherty is also posted on my website that will direct you to his author's link. Dr. Doherty, just uh, the music's going to come real quickly. Can you give a brief encouraging statement to those people that want to preserve their marriage?
1: It's worth it. Hang in there. It can be hard times, but people who, who work it out, who stay together, are usually very, very happy they did.
0: Thank you so much for your time tonight. We've enjoyed having you on the show, and hopefully down the road we'll get to talk with you again. This okay, thank
1: is, you. I enjoyed it.
0: Great. This is Jane from The Homefront, 1100 AM, KFNX, Independent Talk. Thanks for being with us here. Check us out at the website, fromthehomefront.org.